parable in Scripture. It, uh, it's not one of the parables that Jesus tells us. It's a parable nonetheless. This one actually comes to us from Old Testament. And this is, these are the words of that parable that's found in 2 Samuel chapter 12. It says that there were two men in a certain town. One of them was rich and one was poor. Verse 2. The rich man, he owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb that he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled that little lamb in his arms as if it was a baby daughter. One day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock or his own herd, he went and he took that poor man's lamb and he killed it and he prepared it for his guest. This morning, I just feel to minister in this vein of a stolen lamb and a newborn king. Stolen lamb and a newborn king. If you could just lift up your hands one more time, and I just want to pray to the Lord just one more time as we enter into this part of this service as God would speak to us. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done. God, I thank you for your tender mercy, God, your everlasting kindness, your grace. God, you are absolutely amazing. Lord, I feel your presence so strongly in this place today. God, I don't want to just let that go to waste. God, I pray that you would enlighten my mind here today, that you would give me the words to speak, Lord, that I could speak words of truth, God, that could endure to all generations. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to receive it today, that all distractions be set aside, anything, God, it doesn't matter what it is, God, I pray that we could just let your word penetrate our hearts and our minds, Lord, that we could respond to it, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can be seated here today. The prophet Nathan had been sent by God on a very distasteful mission. He was about to pronounce judgment on King David. He was the anointed king of Israel. And David had just recently taken another man's wife. And then he tried to bury his sin in the grave of that woman's husband. Nathan knew that he was not dealing with the same David that he had before. This was no longer that naive shepherd lad whose heart pants after God and who is that harp player that we like to imagine David to be. He is no well, he's still writing songs, but he's not the one that is out in the pasture field with that harp and writing the songs and uh, doing just, just out there in the presence of God and spending time with him as a little shepherd boy. He's no longer the one who put, those, put that 
those five smooth stones into his pouch and then deposited one into his slingshot and flung it towards that giant's head so that he would fall to the ground. He is no longer even the one that has been running from King Saul who was trying to kill him and just trying to preserve his own life. He's no longer the one who took over the king, the role of king and led them into times of prosperity, but now here he is and he has a name. That's what it tells us in Second Samuel. There says that David had made a name for himself. When you make a name for yourself, sometimes you can tend to go and you can do things that you would not have done before. That pride or that arrogance, that haughtiness of heart can get down deep and it can cause you to do things that you would not have done in an earlier time in your life. Now, Nathan knows David. He had spent time with David. Nathan was the prophet of God. David had, uh, had received the word of the Lord from him throughout his life or at different times in his life. And Nathan now has this message to deliver to the king, and he knows this is not the same David. But now, this is a David who has gone, and he has transgressed the law of God. He has broken even one of the Ten Commandments, not just one, but multiple. He lusted after another man's wife. He took her into himself, and this, this husband was a soldier in David's army, and so to cover up David's sin, he went and he sent that, that husband to go to be on the front lines of battle so that he would make sure that he would not make his way home. And so we could call David both an adulterer and a murderer for this sin that he had committed. David here is now... Deal, having to deal with the fact that he has a woman that now is pregnant with child. It tells us that he has now taken her as his wife as he was able to do now that her husband was deceased. He's taken her as his wife and now Nathan is coming to David to tell him this parable that we read. He begins... I, I, can imagine Nathan thinking of David in this spot, this, this mindset where he is now. This, he's got to tell a story. He can't just come to David and call out his sin. I mean, who knows what David, how David might react if he's in this frame of mind. If he would go and he would commit these sins, if he would go and and become an adulterer and a murderer. If he, if he would do that, then surely he, he might react poorly to Nathan coming, even being sent from God and calling him out for his sins. And so Nathan, I'm sure, begins to think about how, how can I tell him that God is going to send judgment upon him for his actions? Because to think about David, that's even though he is this king who's made a name for himself, even though he has spent time in, uh, in that palace, even though everybody knows his name, he, he still at heart is a shepherd boy. 
And while this story, this parable that Nathan would come up with, that he would craft, this is not something that necessarily happened, but it's a story that he would craft. And uh, in this story, it may not touch another king in a way that it touched David. But for David, he knew what it meant to have a lamb that he loved. David, he could recall the times where he spent that time with a lamb that she had grown close to, maybe a lamb who had had an injury, and he would nurse it back to health, and he would care for it, and it would become as if it was his own child. It would follow him around, and and, and this and he began. Nathan began to uh, to put together this story to begin to tell David that God knows what you did, and there is going to be a consequence for the actions that you uh, that you took into your own hands. And so so Nathan approaches David and he begins to tell him this story, the story of the poor man, this poor man who he had nothing, nothing to his name. He was that one, and uh, it, it says that he was a neighbor to the rich man, they, but really the vicinity of their location of, of where their houses were located was the only thing that the two had in common. That one, he was the man who only had one asset to his name, and it was a little lamb. The one, all he had for, to, to care for was just this one little lamb. And the rich man... He had flocks abundant. He had herds abundant. And yet when the stranger came his way or when the visitor, the traveler, came and stopped by his house, instead of going out to his own herds, instead of going and choosing a lamb of his own, he decides to go across the road into the poor man's house and to take this lamb and to kill it and prepare it for his traveler. David immediately gets angry. Can't believe the actions of this man that, that would go and he would do this. He says, this man surely ought to die. He, he should not be able to live for, for doing such a horrible thing. And, and even if he's not put to death, that at least he needs to pay back four times what he had stolen. The stolen lamb. This is something that it, David, he, he, he couldn't believe you know, that, that this man who loved this, 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 this lamb so much, this man who, who cared for it, this man who, who allowed this, this lamb to eat at his table, his kids had grown fond of this. They, they thought it was just normal for a lamb to be living in the house. They thought it was just normal. This, is not, this isn't just a pet. This is part of our family. And yet it's been ripped from us. It's been taken from us. It's been stolen from us. And, and we, he couldn't believe what this rich man had done. And so that moment that Nathan reveals to him that, David, you are the rich man. You are the one who went and stole that which, you, which did not belong to you. You are the one who ripped from the home that very thing that did not belong to you and you took it for yourself. You are the one that's at fault. 
I know in this place today that I look out and I see so many followers of Christ that are so devoted to, to God. And I am so thankful that we have people here that, that you have dedicated your, your life to God. Or you've, you've walked with Him as a disciple of Christ. You're a man after God's own heart. Or you're a child of God that's, that God loves And that's exactly what David was, the man who walked with God. The man who who had God's favor on his life. And I look out over this congregation today and I see the favor of God that rests on on these individuals, on you today. That God's favor rests on you. That when you walk in his footsteps, when you you follow after him, there's favor that is uh, accompanying you. There are... But, but in, in that walk, in that journey of life, every one of us, every one of us, there's not, not, not one of us that is exempt from the fall. Maybe your error is not as egregious as David's was. Maybe the things in your past are, are not quite as awful as the things that David did. As he looked out over and he saw Bathsheba there and, and he lusted after her and he took her to himself and he went and he killed her husband. This is, this is a very egregious act that somebody who was a man after God's own heart would commit. And for many, the fact that you did that, the guilt would inevitably set in, especially when you begin to be called out for your actions. When you have the man of God come and he tells you, you are the man, you are the one. And there's two ways that one might respond to that. One might respond in a way that they get puffed up with pride and they say, who are you to tell me how I can live? Who are you to call me out? And you can puff yourself up and you can continue to live with that guilt. But in your mind, you know the things that you've done. And if you want to pursue Christ and if you want to continue in your walk as a Christian, you still have that thing that's hanging in the back of your mind, those errors, those those awful mistakes that you've made, those things that for you, you just can't seem to get past. All of us have them. We all have things in our life that, that we are ashamed of, things that we would love to hide, things that, that we just want to cover over and we don't want anybody to see. We don't want anybody to know about them because that was me at my worst. There's things, all of us have our worst. All of us have those areas, just like David did, that, that it, it is not part of, it's not our character. It was out of character for us. It was things that we did that, you know, that we shouldn't have done. We know we shouldn't have done them. Uh, sometimes, you know, people know about them and that causes even more pain and more guilt. Uh, other times we carry it just to, for ourselves and, and nobody else knows, but, but you carry it around even, even so. And, and here you are carrying the guilt of your past, carrying the guilt of the things that you've done. And this is where David found himself. 
And what makes somebody a man after God's own heart is not merely the fact that you have walked circumspectly or that you have walked in a way that pleases God, but it is what do you do when the mistake has happened? What do you do when you fail? Scripture tells us that a just man falleth seven times, but he gets back up again. It's not about the fall. It's about what do you do after the fall? What do you do once you have gotten down? Do you get back up? Do you stay at the place of your failure? Or are you able to move on and to see that there is a future in store? That there is something that God can still use and He can pick the pieces up and He can put them back together in such a way that we are not broken and we are not finished because of our failure. See, it could have been very easy for David to have just stepped down and to, to say, you know what, I'm not fit. If he, you know, that it could have been uh, for him to, to just say, I, I have messed up royally and I cannot continue on this path. But we find David, he is a man after God's own heart. And we read in the Psalms, David writing about this time in his life. You can read in Psalm chapter 51, this message, this this song, this poem that, that David writes about his grieving spirit and the contrite heart that he has, this heart of repentance that David He responds to this parable. He responds to Nathan the prophet coming to him in such a way that is not to push him away. And it's not to say that he is justified for his actions. But instead, it is to come to a place of repentance and to say, God, I am so sorry for what I've done. And if there is any way, God, that you could forgive me, would you please forgive me? I'm the one who cast out the judgment upon that man and said that he deserves to die. And so I know what I I deserve for what I've done. I know what the law would even say about a man who would go and commit murder, somebody who would even commit adultery. I know the punishment that should be there for them. God, would you have mercy? God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I don't just ask for mercy. I know that I don't deserve it, but God, I'm asking, would you please have mercy? It is, it is in this moment, in this time that we see this young child who had just, just been born of Bathsheba falls ill. And David, it tells us, uh, it tells us there in 2 Samuel chapter 12 that David's he begins a fast. He begins, tells us he just lays on the floor for days on end. His servants, they're, they're coming to him. They're saying, it's time to eat. Get up from the floor. And he says, I'm not getting up. He's crying out. He knows that this is the judgment that is to come to him for his actions. He knows that it, this baby is, is going to have to, or is, is going to, uh, Suffer the judgment, suffer the consequences of what David had done. And for days on end, David, he is crying out. 
that, God, would you please save my child one day? He begins to see all of the, the reactions in the palace. They begin to shift, and he can hear the whispers and see them just off in the corner talking. And he say, senses that the mood has changed in some way, and, and they're afraid to tell him, the Bible says, because they said if David is reacting like this when the child is sick, how is he going to react when he finds out that the child has died? And they come and they tell David, and he responds, comes to them, and he says, what is as the child passed? And they said, yes, the child is gone. David then gets up. He wipes himself off. He says, okay, God has given his judgment. And it's in that moment that we ourselves can recognize that there are consequences to our failure. Just because we have the mercy of God does not mean that there are not consequences. Does not mean that there are not things in our life that because of our choices, we are not going to have to go through because of things that we've done, choices we've made, places we've gone, people that we've hurt. There are still consequences that we have to bear in this life because of things that we've done. But Thank God for His mercy and His grace. Thank God that He is still a merciful God and that God can still heal me even in the midst of my failure and in the midst of having to live out the fact that I have fallen and made mistakes and I'm just trying to get through. God says, you are not going to live your life just getting by. Because if you continue on, it tells us that in verse 24 of that same chapter, that David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and he went and he slept with her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and David named him Solomon. The Lord loved the child, and God sent word through Nathan the prophet again that they should name him Jedidiah which means beloved of the Lord, as the Lord had commanded. I almost named this message here here today, Jedidiah has a future. I've never heard Solomon called Jedidiah, but that's the word, that's the name that God said. I want you to know that he has my favor, that he is beloved of me. And and what this is, this is really is not the name. Uh, We see elsewhere that God had also given the name Solomon to David before he was ever even born. But he here through the prophet Nathan is telling him that this new, this baby that has come now, this newborn, this second born of Bathsheba, the same one that you had your greatest failure, that he is beloved, that there's a second chance, that there is another opportunity for growth and for a bright future, and that through this child, through Solomon, You are going to be restored. See, 
here today, I, I, we have so many in this place who, who you can get hung up on your failures. You can get hung up on your past mistakes, on things that have gone wrong in your life, things that have been done to you and things that you have done. And you can stay there in that place of, of brokenness. But what God is trying to, to get a hold of you today and to let you know is that your place of failure and your place of brokenness is not your future. That there is a newborn king that can come from the very same place of failure. That there is a future. I'm telling you, Solomon would be the one that would eventually, that that would eventually take the throne from under his father David. And that Solomon would be the one who would take, uh, carry on the lineage that would go all the way down to Jesus Christ. That Solomon would be the one that God says, I am your redeemer. I am your healer. I can take you from your very place of brokenness. And I can give you hope. And I can give you a dream. And I can give you a future. Mm. Well, there's somebody here today that you've been stuck in your place of brokenness for long enough. You've been stuck in a place of, of, of travail. You've been stuck in that place of just feeling as if you can't move forward because you have made too many mistakes. But I can tell you right now that as long as you come to a place of repentance, as long as you come to a heart that is contrite and you come and you say, God, I am sorry for what I've done, God, and I need to move forward. I promise you that God will meet you right there in your brokenness. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. You are not forsaken today. There is nobody in this house who has made too big of a mistake. There is nobody here today who has walked away too many times. There is nobody here today who they could be, would be cast aside and say, you are going to be forgotten or you don't have a future in my kingdom. God has a future for you. God has a plan for you. God has great things in store for you. Don't you allow your failures to define you. It was a stolen lamb. A stolen lamb that David, he had committed an awful thing. He had ripped something from this, from this person, from this man that's, that did not belong to him. He had committed an awful, awful sin. But that sin, even though we look at it, and I'm thankful that we get to, get to peer into a a man who is real. I'm thankful that we get the story, the whole story of David. We don't get the whole story. I mean, we just don't get the whole story, but I'm thankful that we get a, a, a really good look into David's life because it shows me that you don't have to be perfect in order to be a man after God's own heart. And I'm telling you that Jesus, when he went searching for disciples, he didn't go looking for the perfect ones. There wouldn't have been any for him to find anyways. But he went and he looked for those who were the ordinary men. He went and he looked for those who had a past. He looked for those who even had anger issues. And they had, they had fear issues. And they had doubts that crept up. He even picked Judas who had all kinds of issues. And he knew that he would betray him one day. And yet Jesus still saw something in them that says, I want to invest in you. I believe 
that you have greatness inside of you. Inside of his failure, inside of David's failure was a newborn king. Inside of David's failure was the lineage that would carry on to Jesus Christ. Inside of David's failure was this very thing that for us today would impact us for generations. The wisest man to ever live. The one who would write the book of Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. The preacher, the one who would go and set up the kingdom and and have uh, be the king over Israel at its greatest point in history. Was in the, came from the very biggest failure of David's life. You never know. You never know what is going to happen when you come to God with a contrite heart. I don't, I don't believe that this all would have transpired in the way that it did had David not come to a place of repentance. Had David not come to a place of saying, God, I'm so sorry for what I've done. God, not, I'm not just saying it with my words, but in his heart, he poured himself out and he wrote the Psalms. He wrote these things saying, God, purge me with hyssop. God, God, would you look down for I am a man, God, that doesn't deserve this, but I'm asking, Lord, that you would come, that you would meet me here and extend a hand of grace. began praying about this great commission that that I've been speaking on over these last couple of weeks that all of us are called to go and to reach this world. In fact, if our musicians could come right now. If all of us, we are called to reach the world that we have been deposited into. That we all have a mission field. That every one of us has a mission field. But the thing that so often hinders us is we feel as if we are incapable. We feel as if we are walking around with a limp. We think that that limp means that we are not going to be able to actually be, actually play any part in the in the revival that God has for this end time, for this last day, for the church, that we can't, we don't have what it takes because we made too many mistakes. That for us, we disqualify ourselves so easily. We disqualify ourselves from the greatest calling that you could ever have. Every one of us has been called to go and to make disciples. Every one of us has been called to go and to reach our world. But yet we disqualify ourselves from that very calling because we say, I'm not fit. I made too many big mistakes. I stole the lamb. I stole the lamb. And you begin to feel the, the grief and you begin to feel the, the pain in, in yourself. You can't believe that you made these mistakes and you know this wasn't the, the, the first time. It wasn't, may not be the last time. But, but here in that place of, of just being stuck, what God is calling you to is to say, come to me. Because a just man falls seven times, but he gets back up again. And he's looking for some just individuals today. He's looking for somebody today who you have fallen, but you shall arise. 
You have fallen down enough times, but you're going to get back up because God has a purpose for you and God needs to use you as a key in his kingdom today. And if we can stand all around this place, God is calling somebody today who in yourself, you look and you say, who am I that thou art mindful of me? Who am I? God, I'm a nobody. I made so many mistakes. I can't imagine that you can ever do anything through me. But what God sees right now is a bunch of pieces that he's put back together and it's just like that 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 pot as he was speaking to Jeremiah he said imagine imagine that that master who would put that clay on that pottery wheel and that's you today and you there you are and that it's, it's falls off and it breaks apart but but he says that 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 person who that artist he wouldn't just just discard all of those pieces just because they were broken he puts them back together and he begins to mold it and shape it and he gets it right back to what he he desires right back to the very thing that he can use and that's somebody here today who you need to be put right back on that pottery wheel here today so that God can reshape you God can form you and you can say God all of my rough places God could you just smooth them out all of my rough areas God these things that I feel like they're so jagged and I I can't I can't do the things that you've called me to do I can't do this and I can't do that and we disqualify ourselves and the devil would love nothing more than for the church of God to be hindered because we disqualify ourselves but let's not be disqualified because of a few mistakes. Let's not be disqualified because of some failures that you've had in your life. God is raising up a generation today that says, I am going to go and do what he has called me to do. I have a future. I have a, come on, I have a burden to save the lost. I have a burden to go and to do the things that God has called me to do. And if there's somebody here today, there's somebody here today who will be bold enough to just lift up a hand or even to make your way up to this altar. I believe that there are some lambs that are still haunting your dreams. There are some stolen lambs that are still haunting your past and the things that you've done. And if you could just come right now and begin to realize that God has a newborn king inside of you, that God has a future, a bright future in you, that he's saying, you have my favor. You're all right. You're going to make it through. You're going to be okay. I'm going to use you still. You are not broken so, so much that I can't use you. Well, would you just make your way to an altar right now? Would you even just lift up your hands where you're at and just cry out to Him and say, God, would you just take me as I am? God, would you have mercy and grace? God, would you come and would you fix the areas in me, God, that are broken? Would you come, God, so that I could be used and to do a great work for the kingdom of God? Hallelujah, Jesus. Well, there's somebody today who needs healing. There's somebody today in your past that's been haunting you. Oh, would you just surrender to him right now? God, I surrender my life to you. I surrender my heart to you. I'm yours.